1: Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and my goal is to make you aware of the best leadership practices, leadership trends, and thoughts around leadership. We also talk about the business issues that leaders need to be aware of in order to lead their businesses successfully in today's global marketplace. And that is what we are going to do today. We're going to talk about hacking and how leaders can protect their businesses. We have listeners from all over the globe, and today I would like to especially welcome our listeners from the Search and Information Industry Association's Media Tech Conference in Valencia, Spain, where our today's guest is also holding a presentation. So, a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And so what's this series about, if this is your first time tuning in? Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and generational management as well as business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series. Um, It's on iTunes and download us. And you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly be even the key to your success. I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And when you do that, tell me what you want to hear about. I'd love to hear from you, so please drop me a line. If you're listening and, and you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week, and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. So onto today's show. The world was shocked when equifax Xf- i'm sorry i can't even speak today okay now uh, equifax announced that 143 million people social security numbers were compromised and everybody asked how did this happen but they were not the only ones to suffer a compromise in data security firms such as amazon and walmart have also had customer passwords leaked online. And these are only the big breaches that we hear about because these are the ones that get into the news. But in a recent PwC story uh, survey in 2000, uh, 2017, PwC interviewed more than 9,600 IT executives globally and found that 41% of them had experienced at least one security incident in the past year. And of those that experienced it, 37% reported financial losses as a result. So for many leaders and companies who have the task of risk management, these figures should make it clear that securing corporate data is now a must. It's no longer an option. But the challenge is that the hackers are getting more and more sophisticated. And it is not just about technology it's about social engineering. Hacking is about putting the right tools in the right place and getting people like me, the user, to do what the hacker wants me to do. And this is actually pretty easy because fixed actions are a part of human nature. And we, have, and we have also developed fixed actions when it comes to technology. And hackers like to have a lot of fun with this. And this is one of the reasons hacking incidences are growing. And as they grow, security issues become more prevalent as and they begin to penetrate every aspect of our business. Therefore, cybersecurity must be deeply embedded in every aspect of business, from product development, customer relations, to HR. But one of the challenges we face is we continue to think about this problem as only a board problem or only a technology problem. So understanding hacking is not normally part of the normal MBA programs, so a lot of leaders do not understand even the basics. Although many top universities are now realizing that leaders need to be trained on the how, what, where, and who of hacking, and they need to do this because they need to make intelligent business decisions and have intelligent conversations with specialists. And in this episode, we're going to help you understand some of the how, what, where, and who behind hacking with one of those specialists. So Dave Cronister, Dave, welcome. Welcome. Is is a founder and president of Parameter Security, an ethical hacking firm based in St. Peter's, Missouri. As a certified ethical hacker and certified technology officer... Dave possesses deep security expertise in some of the most heavily regulated industries, such as financial services and healthcare. He is also a member of the Information Services Audit and Control Association, the International Council of Electronic Commerce Consultants, the Society of Competitive Intelligence Professionals, and InfraGuard. Paramita Security is an ethical hacking Firm that was born out of the need to better protect businesses, government, healthcare, financial, and educational institutes globally from vicious hacking. Now, why is Dave and his company different? Because they are hackers and they're ethical hackers. And they also are security experts as well as instructors and certified trainers. And Dave is here with us at the CINDA Search and Information Industries. Associations Media Tech Conference in lovely Valencia, Spain, where he held a great presentation on cybersecurity issues yesterday. And you will be able to see his presentation later on next week on YouTube under the Cinda channel. So Dave, once again, thank you for doing this broadcast after doing such a great presentation.
2: And oh, welcome. no problem. Thank you. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, Valencia is absolutely beautiful. And this has been a great conference. I, yeah. I, I'm really glad that they invited me.
1: Oh, thank you so much, yeah. And we're so happy you're here. So let's let's just start with some <laughs> basics here. Okay. Let let's talk about the myth that only stupid people or unsecure companies get hacked.
2: Um, you know there's a there's even in my industry, you'll hear the phrase "There's no patch for stupidity.' And while I tend to agree with the fact that there's no patch for stupidity, that really isn't the case when we start talking about social engineering or um, uh, hacking the human. and And really, you know, we could spend hours and hours on this. Um, there's a lot of scientific evidence to really show that, uh, human beings have two sides to them. They're, they have the logical side, that which should be able to look at an email and go, this is suspicious. We also have that more basic emotional side. And it's that emotional side that really the social engineering is going after. Um, and it's not that you're stupid. You're emotional. You're human. If you don't believe that you're susceptible to it, just look at the industry of marketing. That goes after the emotional side of human beings. I have a guitar habit. So, you know, every time I go into a guitar store, they put that nice and shiny new Fender Strat up front. I go after it. My wife goes and buys a purse and buys two because it's buy one, get one half off. Um, Likewise, with the fact that um, believing, well, my my system is uh, fairly secure. We're good to go. uh, It's not that simple these days we don't really say that you're going to actually protect yourself you know basically there are two types of organizations those that know that they've been compromised and those that don't realize they've been compromised yet uh what you're really looking at these days is uh almost an impossible to meet need to protect data uh Data that is in a format that is thousands of years old in a twenty first century uh world and um these days it's more about how do you uh, try to prevent some of the easy attacks from uh, taking you over, and how do you prevent one attack from taking over your entire organization
1: mm-hmm. so so basically if we're we're talking about two different kinds mm-hmm. of attacks here, so you have right. Um, you have malicious attacks, and as, as I had my little uh, slip, I couldn't even say the word uh, Equifax, okay? It wouldn't <laughs> even come out of my mouth, okay, correctly, okay? Right, <laughs> right. I'm still so shocked. But, you know, so you have those, and that, and I, that might be a malicious, but I'd like to just stay on this, um, on the social engineering a little bit more on the, yeah. on the plane. And so those are not, is that kind of fun for the hackers, or yeah, um it, it, yeah. is it does it go in the malicious category or what
2: Malicious and fun are, are not, uh, you know, they're not two different things, Kimberly. Uh, no, uh, you know, you yeah. you hit it, you hit square in the head. And and quite honestly, you know, we talk about well, there's those technical attacks like you just talked about, and then you said like Equifax. Well, quite honestly, we don't know if it's technology that they got in through. Uh, a lot of the big attacks come in through social engineering, and the reason is. Again, because if I hit that firewall the same way 10 times, it's going to respond the exact same way. But sending emails 10 times to the same person, they will respond differently. And it may be because I hit just the right button. They're thinking of something else. It's early in the day, something like that. So, again, us being complex creatures makes us also unpredictable. Social engineering uh, is probably on my end, being a good guy, we do social engineering. I do everything from sending emails to just yesterday, I uh, actually broke into a uh, client site, which was a bank as a, uh, a uh, as someone from the utility company, to see how far I could get in. And, and in case you're curious, yes, I was able to plug a computer into their network. I was actually able to walk into the vault. I was able to take some money. I gave them money back unfortunately you know they, they pay me <laughs> other ways um but um well seriously, from that standpoint once i put that computer on there then they are actually i'm actually able to do the technology standpoint mm-hmm. some of the biggest attacks these days have started from a simple phishing email
1: Mm-hmm. So, so it, uh, we humans make it quite susceptible that that somebody can come in because you're you're now hitting twenty five people and and I may react differently and that's how then you use to enter. Yeah, yeah. You're getting, yeah.
2: But but let me add let me add another aspect to that um, that that computer. That or that firewall that responds the same way. If I know that it's looking for a particular piece of information, if I can change my information just a little bit. So let's say it's looking for a sentence, and it's going to stop the sentence that says "I am bad," right? And let's say that that's malware, and it's your antivirus. So it's looking for that. Anytime it sees "I am bad," it's ba- it stops it. Well, what if I send it in two different packets? The first packet says "I am," and the last one says as bad. It's going to look at those separately. It's going to let it go through. The strength of your people um, is that they are actually able to reason beyond just simple rules. So yeah, they they can be your biggest uh, enemy or your biggest uh, aid in defending your organization.
1: And that, I I think we'll touch on this because we're going to go to a little break, but when I come back, I really want to talk about, it's not always from outside, Dave, is it? It's Sometimes it's from inside.
2: Correct, correct. Yeah, it it, it is. And in fact, what we'll talk about later is it's usually from the inside.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get ready to take a little break. And when we come back, let's talk about, you know, where it comes from inside or outside, and then talk a little bit more about the tools. Okay. Cause I think there's a lot of misconceptions on there and the names of the tools. Everybody uses Trojans, worms, viruses, whatever, and they're interchangeable. And I think as leaders, we kind of get mixed up what that is, so what those things are. So I'd like to talk about that when we get back. So we are talking, for our listeners, we're talking with Dave Cronister, and he is the CEO and owner of Parameter Security. And you can reach him on ParameterSecurity.com And you can also find Dave on Twitter at right? <laughs> Bagomojo, right? <laughs> Bagomojo. Bagomojo. Okay, okay. So I'll just spell that for the listeners. B-A-G-O-M-O-J-O. Okay, Mojo. And then on Facebook uh, Parameter Hacker, And Dave is an expert in security, and he's a good hacker. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, CEO and leadership and business expert. You can contact me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join my LinkedIn group at leadershipbeyondborders or my website at leadershipbeyondborders.net. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
4: Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines?
0: You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on the Voice
1: America's Business Channel. I am your host, Kimberly Lewis, and today... We're reaching out from the Search and Information Industry Association's Media Tech Conference in Valencia, Spain. And we're talking about what every leader's biggest nightmare is, is what happens when your information, your data is compromised in your company. And we are talking to Dave Kronister, founder and president of Parameter Security, or if you're you're listening from Europe, Paramita security. So we're going to say it both ways this time. So Dave, um, welcome back. And before the break, we started, I I asked you the question about where these attacks are coming from. Are they coming from inside or are they coming from outside? And I think we all, under the impression, they mostly come from outside.
2: Yeah, you know, the the external malicious attacker is the one that gets the most news and and is most talked about. But there have been surveys that have been done year after year and um, what we find is that even though it's getting closer to 50-50 uh, percentage wise, still more malicious attacks happen from the inside. That is from your actual employees. Um, I think one of the reasons a lot of organizations don't really want to announce hey, there was a bad employee that did it. Uh, the problem with this is, is that your internal employees just by the fact that they may have a login or they have access to your building even have an elevated level of uh, authentication or authorization in your in your organization which makes them a lot more dangerous
1: mm-hmm Mm-hmm. and and how how are they getting in? Let's talk a little bit about that okay because I think a lot of leaders we there's a lot of terminology out there right? yeah. and about tools and it's completely confusing to somebody who's not in the business you know I get a worm, I get a virus, I get a you know is it a Trojan what can you talk to us about about some of those tools.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, it's even it's even more confusing for IT professionals. So it's uh, it's it's a tough one. You know, when we start talking about malware, the terms trojans, viruses, um, worms all come up, and and the, a lot of times they're used interchangeably, and, and really, um, they're not. And and the term virus that we talk about a lot, these. Typically, are these were some of the earliest malware created back in, uh, even back in the 60s. Um, there was a cookie monster virus that went after uh, mainframes. And um, these pretty much went out of style back in the 90s. These were the ones that once they got into your environment, they would cause a lot of destruction. You knew that they were there, um, but it didn't give anybody access to your organization. Worms uh, are ones that actually take control of vulnerabilities. And there are a lot of worms that we have seen lately, um, like Conficker, uh, WannaCry Ransomware was kind of a worm. These work very quickly because they actually attack a specific type of vulnerability, which allows them to move extremely fast. However, these are very rare, and these do not give someone access to your environment. Trojans, on the other hand, are actually applications that if, an, if a malicious attacker can put on your system they can give you full access to give the malicious attacker full access to your system. And, and we're not just talking about files. We're talking about, they can watch what you're typing. They can listen to you. They can watch you through your webcam. It's, it's basically imagine a big malicious attacker sitting on your desk next to you. These are the ones that we worry about the most. And, um, not There's a whole bunch of them out there. You can buy them on the Internet. They even come with software support that if someone, if it gets caught by antivirus, it's going to, uh, they'll replace it for free. These are the ones that I think most people need to really understand. And, and quite honestly, if you have 100 to 200 devices on your environment, chances are you have one of these. It just may be that the malicious attacker doesn't know what they've gotten into yet.
1: Mm -hmm. So, if I'm a leader and my company, these are the ones I really need to understand how they get in. So, I mean, is there any kind of insight on this? Or um, now, do these things get in because of this social engineering that we were talking about before? Uh, Yeah.
2: Definitely, social social engineering. Ninety five percent of this is going to come in through phishing emails, phishing websites. Maybe uh, someone bringing in a, or downloading software that they weren't supposed to. Again, these don't spread on their own. They're applications, uh, fake websites, different things like that. Um, the The problem you have to understand is if I can get on your desktop. You have all these network uh, devices, you have a firewall, you have a trojan detection you've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars pounds euros whatever you're using against these i'm already past that and 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 that's where it really does yeah. become scary i'm i'm an expert in the trojan field and i actually reformat my system every 2 weeks just because i understand how these how these work most organizations can't do that however they need to be aware that antivirus aren't going to catch the good ones and um and exactly what are their plans if if they do discover one
1: mm-hmm. now if let me i'm not an it expert but just a, a question that just <clears throat> popped in my head so if these are applications aren't are some of these tools also the same tools that we actually use to in our systems for other things or protector systems. Is it similar
2: or yeah, very very similar? Now you know something like uh, a a VNC or a Team Viewer, which these are tools that maybe IT-driven people use to connect other systems. We can use those as trojans. In fact, I I dealt with a case that was um, a stalking case where we're trying to figure out how someone got on a system. and ended up they were using. Uh, team viewer which is a free system net nanny all those tools that that parents use to monitor their children those are legal trojans um and in fact some of the quote more malicious trojans and i'm i'm, I'm putting little parentheses in the air here uh a lot of the writers have realized that while it may be a legal form to use it, it's not a legal form to sell it as help desk software. In reality, okay. they're not, uh, the people aren't buying it for help desk software, but it's a way for them to be able to make money from it. Um, and again, it works just the same way. Now, Like uh, Unlike something like a TeamViewer, just because it's an application doesn't mean you can go in and remove it. These are very hard to remove, but they are applications. And understanding that, especially if you have a little bit more technology background, makes you understand that if you format your system, they do go away.
1: Mm mm-hmm. So this is really interesting because you don't think of things like net nanny and things like that as as being dangerous. Now, I know they've you know, there's a lot of controversy. There's been a lot of controversy, especially in Germany um, right. with those dolls that came out okay, and <laughs> those being dangerous. I can't even remember the, what the name of the dolls are. Maybe you remember. Um,
2: uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's quite a few of those that have come out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and but if you're saying that all this stuff is is available on online, um, do are there any are there any governmental member, you know, any control on that? So I can just go online and get some of these trojans, and is there any control governmental control going on on, on that, or is it you can do whatever you want until you do something illegal?
2: Is yeah. That what it- I I think that's it you know it it really goes from uh, country to country and and uh, you know without being too specific I would say one of the problems of living in a more freer society is the fact that uh, you know this stuff is allowed to happen. you know, I doubt there are very many um enterprising trojan creators in North Korea, for example, but <laughs> you know here in the United States, the First Amendment allows a lot of people to do this uh, now, with that being said, there have been cases where uh some government agencies and different or in different, org- in different um, uh, countries have gone after some of them and have said uh not necessarily. Required them to take it down, but maybe have come back and plea bargained with them. Of hey, we had a warrant. We noticed you were doing something that wasn't quite legal. If you agree to not write this anymore, then we agree to just let this go. Mm -hmm. And and there's been uh, some of the more popular uh, Trojans that have been out there have been have had that. Now, real quick, one of the things to keep in mind too is. Uh, you know we use antivirus and what we uh, what we do is uh, a technique called UDEEN, or making it undetectable for antivirus you go on YouTube you can find hundreds of thousands of videos on how to make a trojan undetectable to antivirus so maybe that trojan is no longer being created but I have one from five years ago if it's still working and undetectable there's no reason to replace it
1: mm-hmm. And that's that's really really interesting, Dave. And I'd like to I'd like to come back to the question on, on vulnerability. Um, and it just it came into my head because I was thinking about what Germany did with that doll, whatever that doll's name is. I can't remember yeah, yeah. that they said yeah they that they said uh, this this doll is so vulnerable because it can be attacked so easily. And you know, there's <laughs> are there things that are more vulnerable and less vulnerable.
2: Um, I would say that it it really runs the gamut. Um, Unfortunately, one of the more vulnerable, in my mind, one of the more vulnerable, scary environments is what we call SCADA environments. And SCADA environments are the environments you find in power plants, uh, you find in utilities. And um, to give you an idea, I will run what's called a, a port scan. This is where I will actually scan the network and just see what is open, what's listening, what programs are listening. This is a very very basic tool. And in a lot of utilities for large or for large cities in fact, they'll say you can't run that cuz you're going to take our network down. Um mm-hmm. uh, and and this is this is where the whole Stuxnet that came out a couple years ago kind of backfired on, against the governments that ran against the Iranian nuclear program. Uh, all of a sudden, this this really advanced malware came out that was a combination of a trojan, a worm, antivirus and a virus, and all of a sudden they realized uh, we just released a new type of attack that can be used against power utilities. And eh, wow. it's, it's kind of scary, but, but there are a lot of vulnerable systems out there. A lot mm-hmm. of them.
1: Well, there's always, sometimes you hear, hear these rumors and, and for example, um, not just in big systems, but also just in computer types. Okay. That for example, you know, you can't get anything on Apple. Okay, is yeah. is, that a, I mean, is that true or is that not true?
2: Man, as a hacker, I love that one. Uh, you know, <laughs> I I always say my my uh, Jeep doesn't get hoof and mouth disease either. You know, <laughs> number one, number one, yes, apples do get viruses. The first virus was an apple virus, and they always have the other. You know, the other rumor you always have is that apples are more secure because they're based on Linux. Listen, I have in my toolkit malware to attack Unix, Linux, Apple, Windows, Solaris, pretty much every type of server and desktop out there. Again, we talk about Trojans. Trojans are applications. Until you can find a system that does not let you install an application, then it can get Trojan, and that includes blackberries that includes androids that includes iphones that includes every device that's out there 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 is no more vulnerable than the other now real quick let me let me tell you where this becomes a problem for your non-technical apple users they go listen i don't have to worry about this so number one i won't run antivirus Number 2, I can click on anything I want. There've been study after study that have shown that, you know, there are more infected Windows systems because there's more Windows systems, but if you start to look at the percentile of how many of these systems may have been infected? Apples are getting hammered left and right, and that's because the there was actually even commercials that said apples don't get viruses, and yeah. it has put them in this uh, lull of security. I right. think.
1: Well, I'm yeah. I'm going to do confessions here on the air because that happened to me. Okay, so <laughs> okay, so uh, Dave, we're going to take a short break here. You're okay. Um, and uh, when we come back, I we have a lot of leaders, and uh, and what I'd really like to talk about is what we can do. Okay, what can kind the of leaders do? Okay, um, so for our listeners, uh, we are talking to Dave Cronister from uh, Parameter Security or. Paramita security if you're in the european Europe you're in europe and listening and he is a expert on security and he is a good hacker and he can be reached at um, parametersecurity.com or on bajomojo okay yeah. and i'll spell that again i have a hard time with that that's his, his nickname on twitter as b a g o M O J O, and also on Facebook at Parameter Hacker. Okay, and um, we reach out to him. He'd love to hear from you. Um, he's an expert. He goes into com- country companies and checks everything out. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and you're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on the Voice America Business Channel. And we'll be right back.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
4: Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines?
0: You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on the Voice America's Business Channel and one of its fastest growing series. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, and today we are speaking about something that's every leader's nightmare, and that's cybersecurity or the lack of cybersecurity. And we are speaking with an expert, Dave Cronister, founder and president of Paramita Security, and Dave, welcome back. And Thank before you. the break, we were talking about all these kinds of attacks, okay? And I kind of confessed that my Apple was also attacked, which <laughs> I never thought it could be, okay? Um, but we have a lot of leaders um, listening with us, and so, and, and I'd like to start to talk about um, where, how we protect ourselves, and where does right. protection begin? Okay, if I'm a leader, what, where do I start?
2: Um, you start with your employees. Uh, I've been—I I, spent—I've been in IT going well over 20 years. Um, I don't want to get specifics too how far. <laughs> I'm feeling <laughs> a little old now, but uh, you know, for the past 10 years, if I'm not breaking into an organization, I am um, protecting uh, or I am uh, investigating uh, a break in. And when I first got in here, I thought technology was what's going to save me and. These days, it's it's more about training and policies, and, and training really starts with your end users. Again, like we talked about earlier, Kimberly, is uh, that phishing, social engineering is one of the key ways that malicious attackers get in, and um, it's not going to be your IT people that will be able to uh, stop it all the time. So to teach your employees and to make them aware of the fact that maybe if something seems Suspicious to to report it or uh, to maybe just not click on something or assume it's legitimate because it bypassed the spam filter.
1: I've seen a lot of companies actually um, put in policies. For example, you know you can't go into social media sites or you can't have access outside. Um, does this did, how prevalent is this? Because I've seen this a few times, and does it work?
2: It, it is. It's a framework. It, it, it's a. It's. It's literally a framework. You know, when we talk about policies, and policies have gotten a bad rap over the years because it turns into legalese. Ah, uh, you shall not do this. You shall not do this. But basically, it is a. Uh, it is the framework on how your business. Does business. And and I always, when I we start talking about what the difference is between the skills of your employees, the policies, and the technology that you use, I like to talk about building a house. You know, you can have mm-hmm. the best tools out there, but if you don't have the skills of the employees to use those tools, it's worthless. But more importantly, you need some sort of blueprint on how you're going to build that house. And that's really where policies come into play. And, and a good policy is a policy that says this is how we're going to do business. That way it's written down, all of your employees know how you're going to do business, and and you you some of them may not be so quite specific as you can use this website. You may not use this website, but when there's always some sort of gray area that you're not really familiar with, what should we do? You always have the policies to go back and look at to help guide the uh, employee. Mm-hmm. And
1: when you're when you're developing these policies, uh, should there be should there be one company policy, or, or does does it have to be treated a little bit different um, in different departments? I mean, maybe people who are doing customer service, or then IT, especially IT. Yeah. I think of, you know, You're right. It,
2: yeah, it's it's uh, it, it depends. My organization is less than twenty people. We we have very little. Uh, segmentation in our policies. However, the larger your organization gets, the more your policies should um, be a little more diversified. And And there is a little bit of a phrase that we use called security through obscurity. That is, if, if someone's not familiar with something, it makes it a little more secure. Uh, we talked about the internal malicious attacks. Uh, if someone in accounting may try, think that they're Neo from the matrix, them not knowing what we do in the i t world or in the i t department on watching uh the actual traffic will help better protect us against mm-hmm. any attack that they may do so yeah there is there is a bit of um of being able to diversify them a bit and having policies for different organizations as well. The big key here is is don't don't overburden yourself with policies mm-hmm. where you can't do your job right okay so that's a great tip for our, le- our leaders who are
1: listening today so let's let's go on a little bit to the technical side and um yeah. and talk about what what leaders can do on testings and audits and there's all kinds of stuff right like
0: right you know, attack
1: penetration so can you get tell, give us an uh, insight on a couple of those
2: and and in full disclosure this is a lot of the testing that, that we do at, here a at parameter or parameter um so uh a lot of these tests you'll hear what's called like penetration tests, vulnerability assessments. In these cases, what we're actually doing is testing your defenses. It's, it's a lot of times in some circles called red teaming. It is what is the actual weaknesses? What is the threshold of effectiveness effectiveness of some of your defenses? This helps us as a, as an organization, will help you understand where to budget your money. You know, it's it's IT can be very expensive, and especially with security, you don't want to. You know, the phrase that we have in the U.S. is you don't want to spend a dollar to to protect ninety nine cents. You mm-hmm. you want to make sure your your money's going to where it's supposed to. So these sort of tests actually help, and pretty much most of your tech your technology out there there are testing. You know, some of the Testing that we do, again, is the uh, network, or application penetration testing. This is where we come in as an actual malicious attacker, and we actually see where we can go. Big difference is instead of announcing a breach, you get a report. Vulnerability assessment is be more of instead of actually us exploiting vulnerabilities, we find them. This is a, a good for companies that are just getting into the uh, security program, maybe never have... Had any testing done before? Mm-hmm. Uh, policy testing, you know, policy assessments coming in and looking how effective is your policy. If you have to build against a framework or regulation, we it, you're probably already having to do that. If not, it's a good idea just to just to have an outside firm come in and give you you know what we call sanity check. Um, mm-hmm. And then social engineering. Uh, this is again, this is the one where we actually test your employees. Now this should work in conjunction with uh, security awareness training. Typically, let's say you come to Parameter and you say, "We want you to test our employees to see who will click, um, or how many of our employees will click on a link." What you do is you get we we do that test we then uh, get you stats you then come up with your security awareness program and then afterwards do a follow up test and it helps you see how effective your your uh, security awareness program is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd hate to be the employee who clicked. <laughs> <laughs> well I, you, you know, in all seriousness, and, and and that is that is a good point, is um this is training. And and mm-hmm. this is one of those things a lot of organizations say we don't even want to know. We we do have some core organizations, uh ironically enough, where we've had presidents that have said I want to know who's clicked. I want to know who's done that. And uh, the last two that have had that, the first one, we made sure to attack uh, him because then he came back and said it's a training exercise. The other one actually happened two weeks ago. We had to suspend their security awareness training uh, and their social engineering because their CEO clicked on an actual phishing engagement. (laughs) and, uh, And we had to do an incident response on it. So I think, yeah. Oh my his, God. His, his attitude changed quite a bit after that. <laughs> that's that's good.
1: So 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 there's there's just all kinds of ways to go in there, and um, just if, as a leader, how do I do I talk to you? How do I pick which way? I mean, you said that if I've never done anything, of vulnerability audit might be the first starting place for me, um, and then I should review my policies. Um, is there any? So-
2: yeah, find find an organization that works for you. Um, and and again, I am a little biased. Um, my organization is uh, what we call a boutique organization. What we try to what some of the recommendations I will I, I would give is make sure that the people that are dealing with it are information security specialist this is not something for your accounting firm to do for you this is not something for your solution provider to do for you Um, if you've never done testing before you could be real eager to go hey i want you to come in i want you to test my people i want you to attack everything we're going to have findings and you're going to have a lot of stuff to fix so have a Work with a company. Companies that have never really done this before that contact us, we try to figure out maybe a one, two, three year plan for them on how to get them down that path because it's not only us showing what's wrong, it's then you coming through and trying to remediate or fix the issues.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, I would just like to add that that from, from what we've heard at the conference and, and my experience, this is so important because, because I'd just like to just touch on liability a little bit. And um, especially here in Europe, we have the uh, GDPR coming up, which is the data protection. Uh, and um, if you don't abide by some... European rules, if you have data of Europeans within your database, you could be fined very, very few huge fines. So, um, you know, that word that I can't say, Equifax, I still have a hard time with that one. You know, I mean, um, they're probably pretty lucky it's not May 2018 right now. So um, the liability end is quite important for, for leaders to understand, isn't it?
2: exactly and you know we deal we'll deal with incident response and understand when there's a breach or disclosure and 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 real quick something we haven't touched on Kimberly but a breach or disclosure uh, for every malicious breach or disclosure that has happened there are 99 accidental. So this isn't always malicious. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's it's not just parameter coming in. There's going to be lawyers, there's going to be uh, communication specialists, you're going to have to give other things. I think the last engagement I worked with, which was probably the least expensive, before fines, the client, was spending about $30 a record. And they were lucky that it was only a 10,000 record uh, breach. And again, I've dealt with breaches with um, public companies that they lost, you know, couple hundred million just on the stock market that day. Cyber liability insurance is a big deal. I'm a security expert. I understand security. My small business holds $6 million in cyber liability. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll be honest. If I believe that I could be breached, if I believe that I have to use it, I, I would be very, very interested to hear the excuse from an organization that doesn't feel that they need it.
1: Mhm and it's and there's a lot of organizations out there that that don't, and I think this is a big message to our leaders because, because with everything going on, and especially with the new data protection rules, um, and the data protection rules that are, are very very strong in Europe, then the the fines are extremely extremely high. So it's it it's as we said in the beginning, it's a must now. It's not an option. So as we as we get to Dave, we're getting to the end, and yeah. um, I just kind of would like your leaders out there if you just had to wrap it up into you know a couple tips what would you you know three things that they have to do tomorrow okay what would uh, that be?
2: Number one and and to to just finish up your thought there, uh, Kimberly is uh, definitely make sure that even if you are not getting uh, audited by uh, uh, regulatory industry, make sure you're actually following the regulations. even if you aren't Compliant at that point, uh, make sure that you're going down the path, to going through the motions and getting better. It's only going to help. Cyber liability is uh, is a must. Talk to your insurance agent. Nowhere in the world does a regular uh, policy cover cyber liability. Mm-hmm. Understand that it's not a it's you're not going to protect yourself against everything um it can be very very depressing i always use the term hey listen we're all going to die um mm-hmm. but we we try to protect ourselves by eating healthy exercising not running out in the traffic it's the same way you want to minimize uh any sort of data loss or any sort of intrusion that you yeah. may have and number uh 3 it's this is the world. It's not going to change. There is not going to be any technology that will change it.
1: Okay. Well, thank you. That's been those are great three tips for our listeners and our leaders out there. And we've been talking to Dave Kronster, founder and president of Parameter or Parameter Parameter. Security. Uh, Uh, Sorry, I have to say it the European way. That's all right (laughs) with me. We're in Europe. Let's do it. Okay. okay. And uh, you can reach Dave on his website at um, parametersecurity.com or now I know how to say it, uh, Bojo Mojo on Twitter. And uh, Parameter Hacker on Facebook. So, Dave, thanks so much. It's been fun thanks being here with on. you. It was a great presentation. He's also going to have a presentation on YouTube coming up. So, you look on the CINDA channel, that's the Search and Information Industry Association, S I N N D A, and you can watch Dave's presentation. So in this series, say, um, we've talked a lot about business issues, not just leadership, but as we can see, as we wrapped up today, that leadership is an, a really important role when it comes to your company's future. So we'd like to thank you. And we've been broadcasting from the Media Tech Conference in Valencia, Spain today and please look at the CINDA website at www.siinda for their upcoming conferences. And their conference, LocalCom, will be held in London April 11 to 13th next year at the Hilton Paddington. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, leadership trainer and executive coach, as well as business leader. And please visit my website at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Uh, at leadershipbeyondborders.net and contact me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And thank you. And until next week.
0: Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.